Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, welcome everyone to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. I'm Charlie. And I'm Eva Lewandowski. Um, hope everyone is doing well. Mm. I want to just start by saying the mission of Corporate Talk is to leave no stone unturned in our collaborative work to help each and every one of us to make a difference in the workplace, even as one person. And that's so key that even as one person. Even as one person, I and email we someone. Say it all the time. Yep, this weekend, and I said, if you think one person cannot make a difference, think of Paul Revere. So there you go. Did that help? I don't know. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, our companies need us now more than ever, and they need our A-game, 100% of us. Yes. And sometimes in order to be at that 100% level, we need some help. Mm. And, you know, that's why we have a great guest today to help us ensure that we're at our 100% best. We do. And um, Dr. Elaine Ferguson is going to be talking about super healing, which is, is a great topic. And we spoke to her briefly a while ago, but we're going to have her on again for the whole hour this time. So it's going to be a great show. And I also just wanted to remind everybody that we do have replays available on TalkZone.com under the business channel. You'll just find us, Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and that's where you will find Ron Levy, who we spoke to last week about um, you being your ultimate relationship, which sounds a little bit odd, but it was a terrific conversation that we had with him. And it And when you start looking at how you conduct yourself, it spans from the boardroom, you know, to the dinner table. Right. It's all connected. It's all connected. Um, yeah. And I, mean, I just want to mention, it. too, that um, George Horrigan was scheduled for today. He's now going to be with us on December 1st. And George is going to be talking about building a business and everything we need to know, which we can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, but today we do have a very interesting show for many reasons, um, and I have a lot of questions, um, and I know that Elaine is standing by because mm-hmm. um, the sooner we get to her, the better. The, unless you have anything you want to bring up? Eat. No, I think we should go ahead and bring on Dr. Elaine. Excellent. So, um, Dr. Ferguson, are you with us? I am here. Excellent. Um, <laughs> thanks for returning to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. How are you? I'm doing great, and thank you so much for having me, Charlene Eva. How are you doing? Um, we're okay. We're good. We're good, and we're excited to have you here because I think super healing is such an important topic, and we just barely touched the surface of it last time. Right. Um, in fact, uh, Dr. Ferguson, early, uh, later in that week, um, someone was asking me questions about the show, and I realized that we needed to have you back, so uh, thank you for that. Um, why don't you start us off by maybe sharing your website or contact information? Oh, I'm happy to do that. I have a couple of websites. My primary website is Dr. Elaine, D-R-E-L-A-I-N-E dot com. And uh, my other website is Super Healing Book. That's, based, that's for the book. Super as S-U-P-E-R healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G book.com. Perfect. Excellent. Um, so let me just cut to the chase, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk mm-hmm. more action this week, right? E? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so Dr. Ferguson, just tell us why you decided to write Super Healing. Well, Charlie, I wrote it based on my 30 years of experience in the field of holistic medicine and in part due to my frustration 
As far as what I was seeing in, in the industry itself and in medicine in general, people are treated in such a fragmented way that they don't have the opportunity to really understand that we're more than this physical body, that we're mind, body, and spirit. And every aspect of our being affects our health. So you can be physically healthy, but if you're stressed, distressed, you know, dealing with a lot of emotional issues, you're still placing yourself at risk for developing chronic diseases. And if you don't really engage your spirit consciously through either your spiritual activities or creativity, just engaging that sense of connection with life, with nature, and with others, then you're also at risk for, for developing disease. And I think most importantly, we have a crisis in this country. As you know, people are getting sicker and sicker every day. It's just mind-boggling to me. And no one is teaching the public how to be healthy. We think it's healthy when we go to the doctor. That's not health. That's what happens at the doctor's office. What happens in between doctor visits, how we live, is critical and crucial to our health and well-being. And most people don't fully grasp that. Hmm. And, you know, what I really like about your messages is that you're an Ivy League trained physician. And typically, um, most physicians, and especially I would think the ones in the Ivy League, look at mind, body, spirit a little bit differently. And I know that it's, you know, it's starting to grab hold now. But, you know, what made you decide to write this book? And I know you touched on it the last time we spoke, but it'd be good if you could kind of um, recap why you wrote the book, because I really find that story interesting, and I know that it was really tough as an Ivy League physician to go in this area and to go into the holistic area. Yeah, it, it was it was tough to to a large degree, Eva. I was trained. I went to medical. I went to college at Brown, which is Ivy League school, and I went to Duke, mm-hmm. which is a top medical school and still is. And we were very much oriented towards drug treatment, disease, surgery, and diagnostic evaluations. And nothing else really mattered. And I was really naive because I kept waiting for the health lesson to happen, you know, the lectures <laughs> on health. <laughs> I know it's there somewhere, but it really wasn't in the curriculum. So, and I, and I saw things when I was in medical school that made me wonder about how the mind interacted with the body. I saw how just magnificently designed the body is. And we don't even talk about it in those terms. So, I, I would ask questions of my professors, you know, did the emotions of this person have anything to do with their cancer or is it making them sicker? Oh, no, there's seven, seven psychosomatic illnesses at the time and nothing else fact affected the body. And I just found that very hard to believe when I went into my residency. Similar things continue to happen. And I must also add that I literally saw miracles happen that no one could explain. I saw the spontaneous remission of cancers, very premature babies, not expected to live, survive. And so I was just really curious. And I think also I never really fit into the paradigm. I always had an open mind about life, and that's how my parents fortunately raised me. So when I went into my uh, into practice, I immediately realized that I was not going to be able to sustain myself just recommending drugs and surgery for the rest of my professional career and I had become a vegetarian while I was in medical school. My dad was very health-oriented. He was taking supplements and telling me how, how wonderful they were. And I didn't believe him, <laughs> but he yeah. was way ahead of the curve. Uh, that was back in the 70s. So that's really the foundation of how I became, began to explore holistic and alternative approaches. And ultimately, I wrote another book about 20 years ago called Healing Health and Transformation, New Frontiers in Medicine, actually it was 23 years ago. And this book, I had not planned to write by any means, but I was just inspired to do so, and I'm glad I did because it's been so well received by the by the people who've read it and, and given me feedback. Interesting. Um, you know, and just to put it in the context of the workplace for one second. Yeah. So, sure. you know, for me personally, right, I'm having some – health issues and some medical concerns. And honestly, today at work, I was there, but not there, mm-hmm. right? So my head wasn't in the game. Mm-hmm. And um, so we get to cheat, Dr. Ferguson, because 
I get to talk to you and really apply it to myself, right? So that's that's the luxury sometimes I get. So I'm really grateful that you're here. Um, but a couple of quick questions. So sure. this this term super healing mm-hmm. kind of um, gives me hope, right? It's a, there's hope in that word and. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking from what I heard that that's because we have the power to heal ourselves, but I could be wrong. So you can explain that. Oh, you're absolutely right. And let me just share with you that the title came to me. It was very much divinely guided. I I will put it in those terms because I had never even heard the term or thought of it in that sense. But I think it really captures the imagination, as you mentioned, and it, it shares just in that one word, we have the capacity to experience optimal health and well-being regardless of what our current physical state is because that's how our body is designed. It's designed to, to, to help you do whatever you need to have done if you but give it what it needs. Mm-hmm. And most of us don't. Most of us think that we can you know, do whatever we have to do during our life. We don't really pay attention to it. I heard someone say a few weeks ago, we pay better attention to our cars than we do to our bodies. And unfortunately, that's probably true for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or our jobs or our career. Yeah. Right. And right. Our, our, our body, our cells, our organs, our tissues have the innate capacity to function optimally. And it's not just about nutrition and physical activity because whatever we think and feel translates biochemically and helps to establish and actually is the foundation of our cellular functioning. So you know when you're feeling upset or, as you said, you're not in the game. You're, you know how you're... Um, and I know that we are going to take a quick break here because I think we might have lost Dr. Ferguson for a second. But um, I'm loving this conversation, and I love everything that we're saying about super healing because it's it's huge, right? It is huge, and uh, uh, she did give us a heads up, too. She did, yes. And hopefully she'll be right back. But in the meantime, we'll take our first break. Um, so please, everyone, a lot of big questions coming up that mm-hmm. I have personally. So stay with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Neva and special guest Dr. Elaine Ferguson. We'll be right back. Thanks. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning Shared Leadership Training Seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Dr. Elaine Ferguson, and she is the author of Super Healing. And I highly recommend that everybody read this book, especially if you're having any kind of um, difficulty with your health, because it's really an interesting Book and I love the whole um, holistic approach to healing and medicine. And there was something that you said earlier before the break, um, Dr. Elaine, and it was about that at the time the doctors had said there are seven psychosomatic illnesses. And it always sometimes when I hear that reminds me of when everyone was absolutely convinced that the world was flat. And sometimes that's what it feels like when you hear a physician say, well, we have this many psychosomatic illnesses and we apply the scientific method to it. But sometimes I don't think the scientific method takes into account 
everything. Because as you saw, there were spontaneous healings. There were miracles that were happening that no one could really explain. So sometimes you think the scientific method may be in some instances, and I know that it's probably controversial to say that, a little bit flawed in terms of not looking at everything. Eva, you are singing to the flaw choir. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, the real issue I find is not so much the scientific method. Well, let me just say this first. The scientific method tends to focus on physically measurable parameters, except Mm -hmm. when it comes to electromagnetic microwaves and all that other stuff that we don't see but we know exists. In the case of human health and medicine, I really think that the scientific method is flawed because of a belief that was never proven to be true. This goes back to the Catholic Church and the, and the debate and the conversations that they had with Descartes who wanted to get a hold of some bodies to uh, dissect them and study them. And that was when this decision and agreement was made that the church had the spirit and the mind and the body went to the to the MDs. That was never proven to be true. I remind people of that. That division is very artificial. Um, not to interrupt, but that sounds ahead. like a great idea for a book, uh, Dr. Elaine. <laughs> I'll put it on my list. But you know, you're right. You're did right. you just assign Dr. Elaine a task? No. <laughs> he did. He did. And it is a great idea because most people don't understand that. that that's, that's where the separation came from. It was a political decision. It was not based in science whatsoever. And modern medicine comes out of that paradigm, comes out of that limitation, and it was aggravated in the early 1900s when basically big business took over medicine. Because before that time, there were all kinds of healing schools in the United States, as in the rest of the world. There were nephropathy, homeopathy, herbal, etc. And then they were literally suppressed and wiped out to allow allopathic or drug-based medicine to come to the forefront. That's how this has happened. And because we don't focus on keeping people healthy, but treatment, we're, we're, you know, we're spending $2 trillion a year, and it's not going to stop anytime soon until we really keep teach people and help people to be healthy. Hmm. Um, a couple of quick questions. So you're talking about the seven deadly sins or whatever you were seven talking about? Seven psychosomatic okay. illnesses. <laughs> so, um, and that, that, that logic or that theory is flawed because we are in control, kind of, right? Well, no. What I'm saying is, is that they came up with seven psychosomatic illnesses, but it doesn't really take into account everything that Dr. Lane and other doctors, I'm sure, were seeing as well, right? Right. So my question um, to that, uh, Dr. Elaine, is when they say, when you hear from the doctors things like, well, you really go as far as your hereditary uh issues take you mm, like your genetics like your genetics right uh, but if i'm a super healer i that should have no limits right absolutely i'm so glad you raised that that is such a, an important part of the book because there has been a major breakthrough in scientific research when i was in medical school i was taught that our genes are fixed, meaning they don't change, that the genes, the DNA controls the cells, and, you know, we just have to deal with what we're given. And that is true in the case of certain genetically linked diseases, but for chronic diseases and those things that we're facing, the majority of people, that is not true for cancer, heart disease, diabetes, Parkinson's. That's not true. We know today, due to some really groundbreaking research that our genes are not fixed, that our genes are exquisitely sensitive to our environment, to our physical, external environment, as well as to the internal environment in terms of the messages and the signals our bodies receive from the outside and the nutrients that we, that, that's provided. And, again, we know definitely that our emotional states impact our genes. Literally happy, healthy states turn on genes that make your cells healthy, and those that are detrimental and harmful, those that induce stress, do the exact opposite. We know that. 
So we are, our genetic destiny is not determined by the genes we receive, but how we live and how we feel. You know, that's so interesting because I know so many times, you know, you always hear people, even now, even with all this research saying, you know, well, it's my genes. It's just the way, you know, it's just the way I was born. It was just the way I was built. It's, you know, it's my destiny to be overweight or whatever the issue is when the reality is, is really our mental state. Yeah, get your ass out of the paradigm. Absolutely, absolutely. And unfortunately, we have to look, you know, you guys are doing such a great job by enlightening people and sharing this vital information with them because it's not given in the media. You're absolutely right. For example, when Angelina Jolie announced that she had had the double mastectomies last year, there was a flurry of women going to get that test unnecessarily because that BRCA test is limited to a very small uh, ethnic group in the world. Mm. But you would think everybody needed to get that checked if they had a family history of breast cancer, and that's not true. You know, and it's funny that you brought that up because that was exactly who I was thinking of was Angelina Jolie, and I was wondering what you thought about what you thought about what she had had done because it just seemed like it was, in some ways, premature. It was you know? premature and ill-advised, even though she had the genes, because. When that happened, I went and did some research, and I found that, as I said, it's limited. The BRCA gene is limited to the Ashkenazi Jewish population, and it's also linked to other other cancers. But what I found was that there's certain nutrients, such as resveratrol, that actually can help to prevent that gene from expressing. So even if you have it, it's not a destined by any means, or it's not it's not 100%. Um, expressed in the first place, meaning that just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to develop it. And even if you have it, you can lower your risk of developing those cancers by doing things nutritionally. You know, and I think that's where it gets really tricky, right? Like what there's so many supplements out there and there's so many different um different ways of eating. I mean, you could go vegan, you could go vegetarian, you could eat some fish, but maybe not red meat. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different supplementations. Like, where does a person even start to figure <laughs> out what they could do to um, lower their risks that they might be predisposed to? Wow, that's a that's a long answer. <laughs> that's, a yeah. really, that's a very <laughs> good question. Uh, you, you know, you really need to start with where you are. In terms of nutrition, there's, as you said, there's so many possibilities. And what I tell my patients is to pay attention to what your body is telling you. Because you know when you're eating well, you know when you're not. And I'm, I'm personally a vegetarian, but I don't think that's for everybody. So if you want to eat meat, eat healthy meat, eat organic. Don't buy that factory processed meat because it has contained so many harmful chemicals. You know, humanity had, has has survived for millions of years eating meat, so it's okay if, if it's done appropriately. Um, there are. I try to provide some guidelines in the book about the supplements that are helpful. I think in, in our environment, because of the agribusiness, and, be, and we know that the the food supply has is nutrient depleted compared to the nutrient content even 50, 40 years ago. So it is, I think it is helpful and important to take to take supplements, especially in light of the fact that not only is there nutrient depletion, but we're constantly exposed to toxins, not only emotional toxins, but chemical toxins in our environment, be it in the water, the air, or in our food and even in our physical environment. So I, I do advise people to, to take supplements. That makes sense. Because I know, like, for me, I feel better when I eat protein. So yeah. I've tried being a vegetarian, and, boy, that just didn't really agree with me. Mm-hmm. Although Charlie and I are both gluten-free, and we found that that was really helpful. We felt a lot better. Right, oh, Charlie? Absolutely. Gluten yes. is a big issue now because of the way that the wheat has been hybridized and the bread has a much higher gluten content than it ever has. And I think it's the overexposure to gluten that makes it so difficult for, for so many people. And I'm gluten-free, too, because I can tell a big difference when I eat bread, and I love it. That's my only way. I know. <laughs> so I have to stay away from it, but I can tell a big difference. 
That's what we found too, because I mean, I love bread too, and Charlie, especially being Italian, I mean, loves pasta. And when we were sick, we got bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had pastina. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you needed a little something in your stomach, and yeah. And when we found when we went, I was finally the one that knew I had to go gluten free. I mean, my doctor in Chicago had told me years ago to be gluten free, and I kind of would go on and off and now it's so easy to do it it used to be like in the 80s it was tough to do but now it's sure. really easy yeah it's, now it's you know great and, and let me tell you that it's not just related to our physical health we know that gluten plays a huge role in the brain function or i should say brain dysfunction when i was in medical school i learned that people who had what's called celiac disease which is the full-blown expression of gluten intolerance had a higher incidence of schizophrenia. And I also found some studies that were conducted in the South Pacific, and I think it was in Fiji, that looked at the population. They basically had no schizophrenia. And once bread was introduced, their levels of schizophrenia matched that of, of Europe. So it, it plays a big role in our mental health as well, not just with schizophrenia, but with depression, anxiety, and, uh, and, and, uh, anxi- and mood disorders. It, it affects that as well. And that was what I noticed, is that my anxiety went way down after I went Mm gluten-free. And I was surprised. I mean, I knew that I was having a lot of physical issues. Charlie just kind of went along for the ride with it. He really wasn't suffering like I was, but I really was having issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I was surprised that... I wasn't waking up in the middle of the night with just kind of this free-floating anxiety, which I used to get at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's been found recently that gluten itself promotes obesity. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's just bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, what I want to say is when we come back mm-hmm. from the break... Dr. Ferguson, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig deep and get some inspiration from you, okay. some advice from you, mm-hmm. and some analysis from you. How's that? Okay, that sounds Excellent. good. Okay, so stay with us, everyone. A lot more to come. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie, Eva, and very special guest, Dr. Elaine Ferguson. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization, regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Okay, guys, we are back, segment three, um, with Dr. Elaine Ferguson. So um, let's just share your contact information again, uh, Dr. Elaine. It's D-R-E-L-A-I-N-E Ferguson. Oh, that's your email, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And honestly... Um, you're in it now. Your role is too important. So whatever we, however we can find you, we need to know, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and your your website again is uh, www.dr as in Doctor Elaine E L A I N E dot com. And the books that you have written are they available on your website? Yes. Excellent. Um, okay, so I, I go back to that word super healing. Really mm-hmm. charges me up, right? Mm-hmm. So um, does that mean, if that is truly super, that there are no limits? In other words, potentially anything is reversible. Absolutely. I heard a doctor say years ago, Dr. Bernie Siegel, there are no incurable diseases, only incurable patients. And I think that's true to the extent that when given the opportunity, our bodies will heal. 
no matter what it's been through. As I said, I've seen miracles. And, again, it's because of this tremendous innate capacity for health and well-being that literally is the essence of ourselves. That's how they were designed. They were designed to function optimally. And they don't when they don't have the environmental requirements to do so. So what do you need to function optimally? You need good nutrition. You need and nutrition. I don't limit it to physical to food. I believe that our emotions are nutrients or toxins. So we need healthy, happy emotions. We know that optimists live longer, are healthier, because our cells literally function better when we are happy and joyful. And we need the spiritual connectivity as well, because that too, when we feed our spirit, we're also feeding ourselves. Okay, so the mind, body, and spirit now are all working under the direction of the mind? Under the spirit. The mind, in my opinion, is, is the, the, the gateway between the spirit and, and the body. But the mind does direct the body, yes. Immediately the mind is, is, is really key in that sense. Okay, so uh, I don't want to go too far off topic. but. Sure. As the questions come in, right? So when someone is miraculously cured of something and they share their miracle in church, say, right? Um, one can say that in that example, the spirit managed to get through the mind to help the body. Yes, absolutely. So, okay, and in, in other cases, so... In, the mind has to has to be that gateway. Absolutely. Right? We have to. So when you said earlier there, you heard someone mention there are no incurable diseases, just incurable patients. Mm-hmm. That could be that. Let's say we have that gateway bolted up, and we're we're not letting anything in in the mind, and that could be what's getting in the way. Exactly, because our natural state, Charlie, is health. We bolt it up and we don't realize it. And, and this has been a point of contention with some people when they talk to me, not you, but they'll say, well, you're, you're blaming me for my illness. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying people are sometimes not aware or ignorant, or ignorant of how their emotions and their thoughts and their feelings are affecting them physically because yeah. no one ever explained it to them. Right. And then I would think, too, that people would also question well, what about little children and infants and babies that get sick? What about them? What about in the like sense of in terms of you know that they already their emotions aren't really formed? Are they picking up the emotions of those around them? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We know that when mothers are upset and anxious, there's a much higher incidence of prematurity. We know mm-hmm. that when babies are exposed to toxins, they are born with birth defects. So that's not to say it's there. It's it's really hard to for me to fully convey what I know. But in terms of babies, I feel that you know they are so powerful because that's where I see some of the most profound healings occur. That mm-hmm. they're capable of, mm-hmm. of of taking care of their bodies in that sense. I mean, they're much more responsive to situations than we are because they don't have all the accumulation of life that we do in terms of the emotional distress that we visit upon ourselves. Hmm. It's interesting. And, you know, we love doctors, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing, no greater love of a doctor when you're leaving the hospital. Right. Right? (laughs) And you're well. And you're well. So, I mean, um, but I, it's starting to get clearer and clearer, Dr. Elaine, that um, that's what, maybe you mean or that doc medications uh physician prescribed medications are really harmful to us and not helpful to us because they go outside what your body normally takes in right they can be and let me explain i think everything has its place charlie i so i'm i'm not saying don't use drugs don't have surgery I'm just saying try something, try to stay healthy first, and if you develop a a, a disease, a condition, there may be some natural approaches to supplement 
your your treatment because people have been known to go and actually do harmful things to themselves without real guidance. So that's that's the difficulty. And medicine, if if I have trauma, get me to the hospital. Or just last week, one of my dear friends, a colleague, his wife had a major stroke and was paralyzed, and it was just really bleak. And I didn't know about this. He didn't either, but they now have a procedure that actually extracted the clot from her brain, and she's, she's walking and talking the next day. So wow. that, that's really miraculous. So I'm not saying just totally dismiss you know, technological medicine. I'm just saying everything has its place. And if right. it's the right thing, we don't no, need I, to. I understand. And, um, but what I'm learning is... I have accountability as well, or we as, uh, I hate to say the patient, but we as individuals have accountability because we're almost equally um, partaking in our health and well-being, right? So we need to support the doctor or we need to take control along with the doctor. You can't Absolutely. just sit back. You're not, you're, you're, not equal, excuse, you're not equally partaking. You are the driver. You are right, the okay. driver's seat. I'm looking for this as I'm speaking to you, and I, know I have it somewhere in the book where I quoted a couple of people. Back at, here it is. Back. At, oh God, thank you. The single greatest cause of unhealth in this nation is that most Americans neglect and surrender to others' responsibility for their own health. That was written in the, in the late '60s by Don Ardell and John Knowles, who was the president of the Rockefeller Foundation. Said people have been led to believe that national health insurance more doctors, and greater use of high-cost hospital-based technologies will impart health. Unfortunately, none of them will. And that's my point. Yeah. We are, we as, as the individual, we, how we live is what determines our health. Access to health care is secondary. So if, if you were to suggest to the audience the best approach to become that uh, curable patient, right, so to speak, or where would we start first to start taking ownership of our bodies? Well, I would tell everybody to read my book, honestly, because I lay it out quite easily. (laughs) Because each chapter of the book has a questionnaire and at the end of the book, there's a 40-day action plan to help you develop your own personal, individualized health plan. So you don't have to depend on me or anybody else. You, because there's so many good things that you can do now, you get to pick and choose what works for you and what your preference is. So that's what I would recommend for those who don't want to do that, and that's okay. But if you really want to take care of your health, the first, the most important thing is that you start paying attention to yourself. Most of us don't do that. We're in our heads thinking about everything in life and very externally focused, and we really don't listen to the messages that our bodies give us. Mm. You know, and that's so true because so many times, you know, you'll have some pain or something will ache, and you don't really pay attention until it becomes absolutely chronic. Exactly. And and then you wonder, like, where did this come from, you know, when you actually have had it all along? Or, you know, you feel the... You're so used to having this low-level underlying anxiety 24-7 that you don't even realize that it's chronic. How toxic that is. I tell people, our bodies whisper, they speak, they yell, they scream, then they slap us down with a disease because we didn't pay attention. Mm -hmm. And the low-level anxiety that you're talking about, most, I think it's, 85 to 90 percent of all doctor visits are stress-related. That's why people go to the doctor because they're stressed, but their stress doesn't normally get addressed properly. They address it as maybe inflammation. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because in in so many people will say that other people are causing their stress. Like when you talk to people, they always say, "Oh, it's this other person that causes their stress." Never once would you hear someone say. Well, you know, I'm a stress causer, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that is all perception. Because You're right. People don't acknowledge that. But we also don't acknowledge or understand the fact that our response to anything external, including stressful 
situations is a response. We always have a choice. We don't have to have that knee-jerk, you know, sudden release of cortisol because we're upset and angry. We can change that. And I had to learn how to do this myself. 20 years, no, it was longer ago than that. When I finished my residency, I had two heart conditions. I was not going to be here a long time, and it was all stress-related. And I really learned how to take control of my emotions so they weren't running me. I was responding appropriately to them and really spoke. I really had to learn how to per- change my perception of the external world. You know, and I, I love what you're saying. And I actually, I just read a quote from Elizabeth Gilbert from her book in Eat, Pray, Love. It was just on Facebook. And basically, it was saying that, you know, after a while, the thoughts running around in your head like these loose lizards, you know, you have to say to yourself, who's running the show here? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> who's in charge? And it's me. Oh, I have to step up and control my thoughts. Exactly. When things come that I don't want, that I, that I don't find helpful anymore, I say thank you very much and move on, you know, <laughs> or I change it for another more positive and uplifting thought. We always have a choice, which is not to say that we should live and, you know, there's la-la land of positivity, but it's to say we should be authentic and aware of how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that we have control. Yeah, this is great. This has been, um, it's a great conversation, and we're just about ready to take our third break. So when we come back, we're going to be talking some more with Dr. Elaine Ferguson. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. We're back, everyone, for our final segment with Dr. Elaine Ferguson. And this has been a great conversation. And I know that our listeners want to learn more about you, Dr. Elaine. So they can go to DrElaine.com, which is D-R-E-L-A-I-N-E.com. And also, you can find the book at SuperHealingBook.com. Um, Charlie and I were just talking on the break a little bit, and I know that you have a question. Yeah, for Dr. It, it's funny, right? If you got, if you guys could see us during the break, you'd be like, guys, guys, get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so what's funny, right? It, what happens as I see it is, so you're having some issues, and you go to the doctor, and they do some tests, and the tests are stressful, and you feel worse, and you go back and you know, you don't seem to be getting better. I guess what I'm saying is potentially you can spiral downward thinking you're getting the right treatment. Um, and I guess what we learned today is you probably are getting the right treatment except for opening up the gateway to your, allow your spirit in so that you don't spiral down, right? Because that stress, that anticipation that, you know what, there's nothing you can do actually makes the problem worse. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, Charlie. You hit the, head, the nail on the head. That is so, so true. We know that when people are given negative prognosis, which I find to be criminal, like with cancer, that that literally helps them to die. Yeah. So I've never done that. I never do that because each person is, is, is unique. Everybody's an individual, and your story can be different. Your outcome can be different from what the studies show because you're you, and your outcome hasn't gotten here yet. So. Yeah, sometimes uh, I refer to it as the shame, and when the shame hits, it could be a runaway train. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. now we need to, uh, Eva does something in her seminars about 
putting lightning through your feet to ground yourself, right? Mm. So I need oh, to, I we that. need to ground ourselves and understand that we ha- we're driving and we have the power to reverse, certainly if not reverse, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word prolong because that's a negative term, but mm-hmm. I think I, I'm starting to understand it now. Um, uh, so gutting back to stress, mm-hmm. what would be a suggestion, um, uh, nutrient wise or food wise or diet wise for, to kind of dial down the anxiety, if that makes sense? Sure. Well, there's, there's so many good things that's available now. Actually, eating, we know that when people eat as, as many, as few as seven uh, vegetables and fruit a day, they have significant improvement with their moods. There's been several studies conducted recently to show that. In particular, we know that there's a supplement that comes from green tea. It's an amino acid extract called theanine, T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E. And for me, in terms of my clinical experience, it's been one of the best, supplements for stress I've ever seen because it literally interrupts the stress response in the body and it stops that fat, rapid heart rate, high blood pressure, rapid breathing, and that you know, how your mind runs away. It stops all that. It's like a natural Valium without any side effects. And we also know that it helps with blood pressure as well. And so that's one that I recommend. But And there's other things, Charlie, such as laughter. I tell people if you... If you one thing you have to can do that can stop stress immediately is go watch something funny because you cannot be upset and laugh at the same time. It's not possible. And, and deep breathing exercises as well. And also taking charge, you know, paying attention to those thoughts that have led to the emotions that's causing the stress. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, and I, I'm teaching a workshop on stage fright and I talk to all of those, especially the deep breathing and the laughing. Mm-hmm. And I equated to having that stress response in the body is like you have a tiger that's chasing you the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. And how can you even, you know, relax and have a thought when you've got a tiger behind you? Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's what it feels like. You go into that full fight or flight. And I had never heard of the, um, theanine. Theanine. So we yeah. thought we had to go to Denver. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to go to Denver, but that's another. That's another. No, it's green whole tea. Show. Not the other herb. It's green tea. <laughs> so, but the point is, right? While the tiger is chasing you, yeah, it's a good diversion to your body to let the shame in. That's what happens. Oh right. well, everything happens, right? You spiral yeah. downward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just are weak. Re- I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, we're hooked, uh, Dr. Elaine, and I just I was wondering, so do you have a, a practice so people, are you in the Chicago area? Do people yes, contact you? Yes, I'm in the you? Chicago area, yes. Um, and, and what would that be for, like a half-hour session, a one-hour session? Well, it depends on what the person wants, but yes, minimally, I'd, I'd like, I prefer to do an hour initially um, just to have time to really discuss what's going on, and then we do follow-up uh, sessions. Because I primarily, right now, I'm doing health coaching from a holistic perspective and second opinion. I'm not doing primary care at this point, but I do help people in terms of navigating through conventional approaches, and I even talk to their doctors if they want me to and share the latest research, because all of this is based on the research that I've that this available that most most physicians aren't aware of yeah and i love i mean you always come up with all these studies even just talking off the cuff when we're talking on the radio you have always a bunch of studies in your pocket that you pull out at any one given time and it's like it's so impressive yeah it's that training it's that ivy league yeah train coming out and my inquiring mind that wants to know yeah (laughs) I think what's interesting, too, is is that you've got such a rise, and this is a little bit, it's not totally off topic, but it moves into a different area of this topic, is that, you know, there's such a rise in plastic surgery now. Like, everybody's getting Botox and facelifts and Juvederm and all of this other stuff that's out there that you can get. And when the reality is, is if you lighten up and watch your health, that's probably the best anti-aging, I would think. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me tell you, the best, the most potent anti-aging tool, if you will, that exists 
is our mind. And mm. I do not use the word OLD. And I stopped 20 years, oh, 23 years ago when I heard Deepak Chopra at a conference talk about the research of Ellen Langer, who is my, one of my favorite psychologists. She's at Harvard University, and she was so open-minded and inquisitive, took a group of men in their 70s to, who were living in nursing homes to a monastery that was circa 20 years earlier. I think it was in 1975, so it was 1955. And for a week's time, they were told to only talk about the things that happened that same week in that 1955 year, and they wore pictures of themselves. There were TV shows, radio shows, newspapers about what was going on that particular week. And in a week's time, these men became physiologically younger. Hmm. Eyesight improved. Arthritic joints became more flexible. Cognitive memory of brain functioning improved. Heart function, lung function. It was amazing because they were thinking younger and they, they, their cells responded and became physiologically younger. So a lot of what we call aging, from my experience, is stress, as you mentioned, Eva, poor nutrition, and lack of exercise. And the assumption that one is getting old. When you tell your body it's getting old, it will oblige you. Yeah. Um, so this is great. I think yeah. we got to go, right? Yeah. We, okay, so Dr. Elaine, thank you so much. Uh, this is fantastic. DrElaine.com, we're going to share your stuff some more, and we're going to ask for you to come back again. So look I'd for the happy. invite, please. I will. I'll be happy to. Excellent. Thank you so much. It was thank terrific. You. Thank you, Dr. Elaine. Have a great night. What I wanted to say is if anybody yeah. doesn't think it's connected to the workplace, listen to the show. Oh, it's right? absolutely connected to the um, workplace, right? I mean, all of it. And um, and I love what she was saying about anti-aging and all of it. Yeah, right? and super I mean, healing. Yeah. And everything is reversible. Um, and, you know, and your body's talking to you. She's the real deal for sure. Yeah. Um, and we're grateful that she came back. This was a good show. It was a great show. Yes. So thank you. And again, if you miss any of our shows, the replays are always available on TalkZone.com under the business channel. So we invite you to check them out. And until then, have a great week, and we will see you next Monday at 4. Excellent. Bye, guys.